0: I'm not thinking about drip campaigns or getting someone top of one on how to move them along. And again, kind of took this from B2C. When I thought about like what companies are doing really successful, it just seems like they're everywhere. And I kind of thought about like, I live in New York. I feel like there's always a new trend about like randomly when suddenly like a new pair of shoes just blows up and you're walking on the streets and suddenly every cool looking girl has this pair of shoes. Suddenly every Instagram influencer you follow has this pair of shoes. And you're not like one day thinking, oh, I need white shoes. I'm gonna read an article about the shoes, then I might buy them. No, suddenly you're just like, I need these shoes because everyone apparently has these shoes. And so rather than, again, kind of in the B2B sense, kind of slowly dripping them down, I wanted to replicate that feeling.
1: If you're at an early stage or growth stage VC backed startup, you're in the right place. Season one and two, I brought on startup founders, marketing and sales leaders to explore brand demand, what approaches work well, challenges and category design. For season three, we're going deep into messy creative experiments, marketing innovation, pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable at a growing startup, why it's so important today, balancing creativity with results, and how to sell the CEO on the creative stuff. I'll also talk to creatives like artists and writers to understand their approach to creativity and what we can learn and apply to marketing at our startups. See you inside. Thanks for tuning in to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Anna Furmanov, and we are talking about creativity. So I hope you like that topic because we are going to be talking a lot about that in season three. I'm really happy to welcome Natalie Marcotulio to the show. She is the head of growth and operations at Nevatic. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me, Anna. I'm pumped because guess what? I have been working with Natalie and the Nevadic team for over three months now as a marketing advisor. So I know what you're up to, right? I personally have seen some of the creative work that you're putting out and have personally seen like all the cool ideas and some, you know, some things that you're experimenting with. And especially, I love this because you guys are an early stage B2B startup and that's what I'm trying to get, you know, people to focus on a bit more, just because your early stage doesn't mean you can't explore, experiment, try new things out, right? The sky's the limit. And so I'm pumped to have you here with me. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's fun. It's almost like just one of our normal chats, but this time it's recorded. That's right. So a little bit about Natalie. Prior, you held various roles, including marketing director and chief of staff at Map My Customers, which is a Series A SaaS startup. And um, if folks have not heard about Novatic, let me tell you. It was founded in 2020, based out of New York City. On the funding side, seed-funded, $5.4 million total. And a quick description, you can instantly create interactive product demos with Novatic. And the customers include Mixpanel, Google Cloud, Dropbox, and more. So... It's really like taken off. I'm so excited. Of like just the space in general has taken off. And I think folks more and more are seeing how awesome and cool interactive product demos is, how useful they are, how impactful they are. So I'm really glad that, you know, we've got this partnership going. So let's dive in, shall we? We're going to talk about creativity because I'm diving into that a bit more in season three. Pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable when you're early stage, and balancing creativity with results. So let's start slow. Let's talk about creative. What does it mean to you, Natalie? I love to ask this question first. I spent some time thinking about this because I actually have a little bit more of a creative
0: background. And I was so excited for this topic because I actually used to be really into art and was like an art minor and wanted to do art growing up. And then I realized, you know, I was okay, but not great. I was like, oh, what's a practical version of art? Marketing. So That's kind of how I got here. But when I was trying to think about what's creative beyond just in an artistic sense, like in kind of the business world, I kept going back to this idea of something just unique that kind of pushes the boundaries. Like something creative kind of should have a 50-50 split on whether people like it or not. Like You're probably going to get some people who think it's too much or don't agree with it. And that's what I was kind of going back to. So something that like is out there, something different you haven't really seen before and might be a little divisive.
1: Yeah, that's something that I have not touched on with folks is like you want that polarizing like reaction, the 50-50 split. For example, when Christopher Lockhead gets on LinkedIn and starts talking about something, you're going to get people that are like, yeah, rah, 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 cheering, right? You're going to get others that are like, what the, you know, completely against. And that's because he's really pushing the envelope. And I don't think people do that enough. It's kind of hard to do, right? Because you have to first... Come up with what it is, what's your point of view, and then push it over the edge and know that like some people are going to be against it and be okay with it. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it doesn't have to necessarily be something controversial, but you have to know inherently by being creative, you're going to have people who don't like it or don't agree because they like the old way better or they just think maybe another way is better. And that's okay. Not everyone's going to love your idea, but that's what gets people to talk about it, good or bad.
1: Yeah. We have something in common because I also am still into art and do painting. And I go to the, we were talking about paint and sip right before we started recording. I go to those paint and sip classes and literally like people could be painting something and I'm kind of in the corner doing my own thing. And I just go there because it's a space for me. They provide the paint and I'm like, and I just go and take it to whatever direction I want. So just wanted to add that we have some similarity there. Cool. Okay. So tell me about some cool creative approaches or experiments or like where you're pushing the marketing boundaries and I know that I have like such good feelings about Nevada because I know that you guys are doing really cool things I just kind of wanted to bring it out in this episode and talk a little bit more about it
0: so I want to think about this I wanted to kind of start like high level and then I'm going to talk about the specific things that we're doing I think overall the most creative thing we're doing and to be honest I probably stole this from someone else or kind of stole from B2C so it's not fully unique, but just the way we're thinking about our marketing in general, and just sort of entirely eliminating this concept of the funnel. Like I'm not thinking about drip campaigns or getting someone top of funnel on how to move them along. And again, kind of took this from B to C. When I thought about like what companies are doing really successful, it just seems like they're everywhere. And I kind of thought about like I live in New York. I feel like there's always a new trend. How about like randomly, when suddenly like a new pair of shoes just blows up, and you're walking on the streets, and suddenly every cool looking girl has this pair of shoes. Suddenly every Instagram influencer you follow has this pair of shoes. And you're not like one day thinking, oh, I need white shoes. I'm going to read an article about the shoes, then I might buy them. No, suddenly you're just like, I need these shoes because everyone apparently has these shoes. And so rather than, again, kind of in the B2B sense, kind of slowly dripping them down, I wanted to replicate that feeling. I didn't really care as much where they were in the funnel or if they were actively looking, more just, hey, if we're everywhere, and if suddenly everyone's using it, there's going to be this sense of, oh, I want to do that too, or when they're ready or have the need, I want to do that too. So that was sort of high level. How that comes down to the tactics of it all, and Anna, this is sort of where you come in too, is a lot of what we're focusing on in our marketing is educational versus really like ads or promotional at all. We have some amazing advisors like Anna, and I'd love to hear Anna's perspective on this as well. But I really use that time to try to learn, you know, what do people care about right now? What are marketers focused on? What, are, what is top of mind? And then using our conversations to create content. And we're really focused on organic content, blog posts, LinkedIn, and trying to tie it in, not just, you know, this is why Novatic's great, or here's a great new feature we have. Okay, this is what people are thinking about. How can I tie in our messaging to that? And then having us post about it, maybe having Anna post about it, then seeing how people react.
1: Yeah. What do I think about it? I think everybody needs to be doing some form of this sort of dynamic. Like, you know, you're going to be on LinkedIn. You're going to start posting on there. Maybe some other folks within Nevada start posting on there if you can get them to do it if they want to. Right you know you have a small nimble team so really it's like your marketing department how can you grow your marketing department without actually growing your marketing department and i think bringing in people that are active on linkedin i was active on linkedin like you know before i met you and doing my thing and you've kind of found these folks that are in the space talking about the topics that you care you know your target audience cares about it is the smartest thing since i don't know sliced bread Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't know what the latest like white shoes that you need that everybody's wearing in New York City. I think there is so much power that people don't realize that you could do so much more if you partner up with folks that are already like very active on social media. And like you said, like this really ties back to what you're trying to do. You're not trying to get people to like drip through some kind of like it sounds like a leaky faucet. You're not working on drip campaigns. You're not trying to bring people through some funnel. You want to show up everywhere and be like the thing that people are talking about. And it's so smart what you're doing, working with, you know, connecting, partnering with people that are already active on social media. So that's what I think about it. I also really like the way that you, you talked about the way that you tie in content, right? And you're almost like getting insights. What are people talking about right now? You're getting insights, right? And then you're using those conversations to create the content. So you're creating like the small snippets of, you know, content on LinkedIn, but you're also creating like those big pieces that matter, like what's going on with interactive product demos and, you know, in the space and you're creating this report and then other people can use the, the insights that you found that are in this report. So really you're kind of like creating a circular dynamic with your content. I think that that's really cool too. It's
0: funny you say circular, cause that's exactly how it feels like we're getting these ideas. So someone posts, maybe it's us, maybe it's someone we partner with. And then we read the comments. And honestly, this is my best source of ideas, inspiration, way more than looking at Google analytics and seeing what page has the highest traffic and average time on page. And don't get me wrong, I, I love SEO analytics, all that, but seeing people's raw opinions of it is so helpful. And then, so for example, with the state of the product demo, we saw a lot of people asking, okay, but how does this compare to videos? What are the engagement metrics on these? What are the conversion rates? And you see enough of those questions, it just becomes pretty obvious that if you create a report answering these questions, people will probably like it. And that's where by having these be more educational organic posts versus just blasting about Nevada, you get those actual insights that you can turn into future content.
1: Absolutely. And I get that too, right? Like I posted yesterday and I got questions about convert, like, how does this compare? I mean, this all just, it's, these are the insights that come up and they're in the comments and that's, it's not in your SEO report or whatever. It's in the comments. It's qualitative. You're hearing that. And the more you hear it, the more you realize how important it is, but it's still really important data. So creativity matters at nevatic like that's pretty clear right you you even have a way that you think about creating content thinking about like outside the box different concepts new pushing into the new right even how you structure your team like working with folks outside of nevatic to help with the marketing efforts how do you balance creativity with results like how do you make sure that you're not just floating in the clouds all the time and you bring it back to what's the impact here. So we've been working for a while together, for example, right? And you want to continue working together. So clearly you're seeing something like, what do you look for when you're working on something that's creative? What is that thing that you look for? I do think this is so important because it's so easy for me to sit in this box
0: and say like, go do creative things, but ultimately it needs to buy, needs to have business results if you're looking to do something like this, and what we did is we started small. Like we started by experimenting with this. We just started with like partnering with a few people, seeing how these went. And we're very lucky that we sell the marketers. So they give us good attribution. We have the classic Chris Walker, how did you hear about us Field, It's open-ended and people tell us, they will tell us they saw us on LinkedIn. They'll tell us where they came from. So this might be also, again, a little easier for us since marketers are a little more open. But there are other ways to get this data. You can ask your sales team. Your sales team knows which leads are good and probably how they found you. And from there, you know, do it on a small scale and then pull out the data from that segment. See the conversion rates, average close rates, and especially look down funnel. Because one of the biggest things we noticed, especially leads sometimes that come in from LinkedIn or organic, it might not be like the huge, our biggest source. It's still not our biggest source. But when we look at the down funnel conversions, there are faster, easier deal cycles because. It was a recommendation from a friend rather than, you know, evaluating 20 softwares. Similar, I always compare it back to the shoes. Would you rather look at 10 different websites and look for a pair of white shoes or just text one friend and like, oh, I saw you also have this pair of shoes. Do you like it?
1: Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting. People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early-stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. So whenever you're ready, there are three ways I can help. One, as a fractional startup CMO, I've had over 25 happy clients and mentees. Two, you can sign up to get my monthly newsletter where I'm sharing playbooks and insights and maybe cracking some jokes. And three, you can sponsor this top 10% podcast and get startup founders, marketers, and VCs hearing about your brand. And now back to this episode. I love how you tie it back to B2C. It makes perfect sense. Like the way you approach your marketing, the way you approach your what would you rather have it feel like, look like? And it ties back to the B2C example. I love that so much. Okay. So then you guys are. Doing a lot of cool things at Nevatic, but how's everyone else doing? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I like to ask that. How's everyone else doing on the creative meter? Personally, I don't see a lot of like the way that you approach creating content. It's both like thoughtful, but also creative, right? So, like, you're looking for results, but you're approaching it in the with this open mind, like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to experiment. You're very experimental at Nevatic. So, are other startups experimental? What do you think? Are, are people pushing boundaries enough? I've been here
0: before. It's very hard when you're a small marketer. We get caught in this trap of, oh, this company's doing it, so we need to do it. And then suddenly as a marketer, you are doing 20 things. And that's why I always say part of the reason I'm able to do what I'm doing is because I'm not doing things. I'm not doing drip campaigns. I'm not doing email nurturing. Should I be? Maybe. But if you're doing everything, you can't leave time to be creative. So I think unfortunately, a lot of marketers just can't experiment or be creative because their CEOs going to them and saying, oh, but this company has SEO and this company has ads. And suddenly you're doing 20 things well, but not amazing because it's impossible to do 20 things amazing. So unfortunately, I feel like I'm not seeing a lot of startups be able just to have the room to push the boundaries. And you know, that's where I also have to give a shout out to my entire team and company for letting me do this. But I do think there are some other companies doing an amazing job. One I wanted to call out specifically, I don't know if you've seen the work that Keyplay is doing, but I absolutely love the data they're
1: pulling and how... What's they're... the name of the startup? Keyplay. It's um, connected to Pure Signal. Oh, yeah. Pure signal I've heard of. Yes. Keyplay, I have not. They recently launched a B2B product off of their data set, and they're just
0: publishing amazing data and connecting it to larger trends. Again, it's not just publishing in a vacuum. For example a huge list recently of all B2B companies still hiring. And they do it in a way that is relevant and interesting and fascinating and using their own product, their own data
1: to collect it. So like subtly showing off their product. Yeah, this helps them create like this, something that nobody else can do, right? I love using internal data to create content. I think that it's really smart. You guys do it, right? With your report that you just put out. Signal does this all the time. They're using their product, but they're using it in ways that is engaging for people that are not necessarily looking to buy their product. I think this is a really smart move. So you were saying that a lot of startups tend to not have the time to be creative. So then they fall back on tried and true or supposedly tried and true SEO, paid ads, right? And they're not really looking outside of that. And I like how you guys have your focus on organic content. It's more of a long-term play, but it helps you kind of like build something of substance, which I don't think that early stage start, not a lot, you know, sometimes, I can't say one way or the other, like not a lot of startups because some startups do build things of substance. But I think the organic content strategy that you guys have in place is helping you build things of substance, helping to build that trust, helping to spread word of mouth. And it's really like it's visible in the impact that you're seeing in the results that you're seeing. So I love that. And I think that, it's just kind of part of your company DNA, which is something I've talked to folks on the show before. If, if your le- leadership team doesn't buy into this, the fact that like you came in and they were cool with you trying and experimenting, if, if that's not part of your company DNA, then good luck. Cause it's hard to convince leadership to let you play around with things like, y- you guys are launching a podcast, right? And that's really exciting. And, and um, working with influencers and all these things, right, that goes, there are so many different things you can do. And and the fact that you say no to some things and say yes and go big on the other things, it's, it's what's going to help you ramp up and become successful. So I should say one important thing I'd add to that, though, is kind of why I touched before on the,
0: the need for experimenting. You know, I don't think any leader from the gate is just gonna be like, Yep, use all your time and marketing energy on creative new campaigns. Even our team like took a little bit to warm up to it. So I think doing this in a small scale as much as you can and proving it out, especially early on, that will help you so much more because I think a lot of people are probably listening and thinking like, Oh, that's in a great state if my leadership happens to be this way, but what if they're not, I'd say really try to test out and show the value full funnel, and then people will be much more on board.
1: If the second you get your sales team to say, these are some of our best leads, people will be more on board. Yeah, those are the magic words that you want to hear from the sales team. I was going to ask you actually. So, how do you kind of lean into the thing that you're going to test out? You have to yourself believe in it. You have to believe in the podcast. You have to believe in like social media and the power of, you know, working with folks that people trust already to spread the word around the industry and like what's happening in this industry. So, how do you think about like the small scale, like the things that you pick?
0: This really just ties back to that flywheel. A lot of my ideas also come from just being in the communities that my ICP is at. It's being in, on LinkedIn, it's having amazing advisors like Anna, I can talk to you about like, what have you guys done? What's working well? And so it's really important. Another reason why you, if you're doing a million things as a marketer, it's really hard to be creative. You always I say you need input time. You can't just have execution time. You need time. might feel like you're not working, but just to scroll through LinkedIn and look at posts that are doing really well. And suddenly it just becomes kind of obvious what are the things that people are reacting really well to. And they get idea of like, okay, how can I take that? But then again, tweak it a little, because if I just do what someone else is doing, it's not creative. So what is something that maybe like, what are people clearly sick of a little bit? Or what is something that I haven't seen before? Usually it's from those insights that I'm like, okay, this could be an interesting thing to experiment with.
1: Gone are the days where, you know, the boss would walk around and see if you're on social media, like wasting time. Guess what? It's not wasting time. It actually works. And if you're not on social, then I don't know what your marketing strategy, you know, like a big chunk of it, I don't know what it's based on because we have to be on there today. So I like this idea of you need the input time. And that's really hard because I think in startups, you're people are constantly in execution mode like oh we have so much to do i have so much on my to do list but make the time it's so important i can't say, stress this enough to make the time to give yourself the space to be creative just like natalie and have the thinking time have the looking for insights time scroll through your whatever your wherever your target audience hangs out on you know social media make time for that it is so important natalie in the minutes that we have left i want to ask you when have you personally been the most creative? Could be sip and paint or otherwise. So kind of similar to the input time, it's never when I'm working. If I ever
0: block off time to write messaging or try to figure something out, I just sit there and look at my computer. It is almost always, I feel like everyone says this, but walking or running or in the shower or something like that. So that's why it's also important not to overwhelm yourself because you kind of need that that thinking time. Weirdly, I'm terrible at snoozing my alarm. I don't know about anyone else. I do it like five times. But that time between my first alarm and when I wake up, I usually have amazing ideas. (laughs) So even just laying in bed for an extra 10 minutes, it's always kind of that passive free-flowing time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think everybody listening can relate to this. Your best ideas are not when you sit down and you're like, okay, go. What's your best idea, right? It's like those in between, those spaces in between when you're snoozing your alarm. Awesome. And um, finally, like what question might you have for me? This was
0: one thing when you were asking about results I was thinking about. Do you ever see startups having specific set of budget that's just experimental or how they forecast these experimental bets? Because you can't fully forecast how many leads you're going to get from it.
1: If a startup does have an experimental budget. So I work with early stage, usually like seed funded startups and like yours, you know, the experimental budget, I think it's on the leader, marketing leader to put that in. Right. Because... There's got to be some percent of budget for marketing is experimenting. So whatever you're doing, whatever your strategy is, like you're going off of hypotheses, you're going off of some insights and data, but it's not a lot of data because you're still early stage. Right. So you're doing your best. And I think like all the work is kind of experimenting when you're early stage. The budget that you set up for the experiment. So that's why it kind of, I I didn't really think about it because you're, you're sort of experimenting, like all of it is the experiment. So I don't really see that, but I do recommend like, you know, past the early stage to always have that budget as you realize which channels are working, your go-to market strategy, what you should continue doing, what you should cut, right. And go, you know, put more budget into the things that are working, then what's next, that's always like, okay, so what's next? What are we going to layer on top to create more growth? That's more of like, okay, we're going to experiment. We, we're we not sure if this is the right path for us. But I think like setting aside 10% or something like that to always be in that experimental mindset. But I think that's why I like to work with early stage startups because it's so fun. You're not You're not quite sure. You don't have a lot of data to go on but you're ha- you're trying to get as much as you can and you're trying to make the best decisions given the information that you have. So it's all kind of experimental. I hope that answers your question. I think it
0: does. I realize myself, I never consciously put any money aside. It just sort of happened. And so I was curious if you've seen other startups do it, but I think that's another big piece with the results. Like, how can I forecast this? You kind of can't, I guess that's the answer.
1: You kind of can't. And if you can, you... Do it, but just know that it might be completely off because it's an experiment. And that's okay, too. So the more I've worked with early stage startups, the more I've realized and also talking to later stage startups that think back or remember back to the days of early stage because that's where everybody starts It's okay not to have enough data and not to know to the T, like what's going to happen. You just make your best guess. And that's why when I work with startups, I like to prioritize. Because like you said, you can't do everything, but you can start smart and you can really strategically prioritize like where you're going to spend your time. I super believe in that. So awesome question. Thank you so much, Natalie. It has been a blast. I love working with you. I love partnering with Nevatic, love the stuff that you're putting out. So folks, need to absolutely check out Natalie. She's on LinkedIn. She's putting out great content, Natalie Marcatulio. And to find out more about Nevadic, go to nevadic.com. Thanks so much, Natalie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Furmanoff, or go to my website, furmanoffmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.